Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. <coughs> we read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 7, The Consistency of the Kingdom, with Section 3, The Laws of Mind. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which is Lesson 75. And that will be read, uh, led by uh, Fran, which is great. Get to that lesson so I can say... Its name, Lesson 75, The Light Has Come. Let me ask you, Lori, do you have a, an opening you'd like to offer this morning? Well, I really do, Lemoyne, and it seemed, um, it seemed exceptionally perfect today. It's called Blessing for the Light. Blessing for the Light by David White I thank you, Light, again, for helping me to find the outline of my daughter's face. I thank you, Light, for the subtle way your merest touch gives shapes to things I could only learn to love through your delicate instruction. And I thank you this morning, waking again, most intimately and secretly, for your visible invisibility, the way you make me look at the face of the world so that everything becomes an eye to everything else, and so that, strangely, I also see myself being seen so that I can be born again in that sight, so that I can have this one other way, along with every other way, to know that I am here. Blessing for the light that has come. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Perfect. Yeah, that was my feeling, Fran. Thank you.
Thank you, Harrison. I am chattering away over here on the end. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I have with us in reading, I have Fran, Karen, Robin Marie, and Lori, and Donna. And with us in listening, I have Harrison, Judy, and Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning and uh, join the reading list or just listen? Mm-hmm. Good morning. Jessica's here and I can read. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Well, I'll get us started then on Chapter 7, The Consistency of the Kingdom, in Section 3, The Laws of Mind, Paragraph 10. To heal, then, is to correct perception in your brother and yourself by sharing the Holy Spirit with him. This places you both within the kingdom and restores its wholeness to your minds. This parallels creation because it unifies by increasing and integrates <clears throat> integrates by extending. <coughs> What you project, you believe. This is an immutable law of the mind in this world as well as in the kingdom. However, the content is different in this world because the thoughts it governs are very different from the thoughts in the kingdom. Laws must be adapted to circumstances if they are to maintain order. Uh, Brand. Three, the laws of mind. To heal, then, is to correct perception in your brother and yourself by sharing the Holy Spirit with him. This places you both within the kingdom and restores its wholeness in your mind. This parallels creation because it unifies by increasing and integrates by extending. What you project, you believe. This is an immutable law of the mind in this world as well as in the kingdom. However, the content is different in this world because the thoughts it governs are very different from the thoughts in the kingdom. Laws must be adapted to circumstances if they are to maintain order. 11. The outstanding characteristic of the laws of mind as they operate in this world is that by obeying them, and I assure you that you must obey them. You can arrive at diametrically opposed results. This is because the laws have adapted to the circumstances of this world in which diametrically opposed outcomes are believed in. The laws of mind govern thoughts, and you do respond to two conflicting voices. You have heard many arguments on behalf of the, quote, the freedoms, unquote, which would indeed have been freedom if man had not chosen to fight for them. 
That is why they perceive the freedoms as many instead of as one. Yet the argument that underlies the defense of freedom is perfectly valid. Because it is true, it should not be fought for, but it should be sided with. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. Eleven. The outstanding characteristic of the laws of mind as they operate in this world is that by obeying them, and I assure you that you must obey them, you can arrive at diametrically opposed results. This is because the laws have adapted to the circumstances of this world in which diametrically opposed outcomes are believed in. The laws of mind govern thought, and you do respond to two conflicting voices. You have heard many arguments on behalf of the so-called freedoms, which would indeed have been freedom if man had not chosen to fight for them. That is why they perceive the quote-unquote freedoms as many instead of one. Yet the argument that underlies the defense of freedom is perfectly valid because it is true. It should not be fought for, but it should be sided with. Well, those who are against freedom believe that its outcome will hurt them, which cannot be true. But those who are for freedom, even if they are misguided in how they defend it, are siding with the one thing in this world which is true. Whenever anyone can listen fairly to both sides of any issue, he will make the right decision. This is because he has the answer. Conflict can seem to be interpersonal, but it must be intrapersonal first. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Twelve. Those who are against freedom believe that its outcome will hurt them, which cannot be true. But those who are for freedom, even if they are misguided in how they defend it, are siding with the one thing in this world, which is true. Whenever anyone can listen fairly to both sides of any issue, he will make the right decision. This is because he has the answer. Conflict can seem to be interpersonal, but it must be intrapersonal first. Fifteen. Oh, thirteen. The term intrapersonal is an ego term because quote, personal, unquote, implies, quote, of one person, unquote, and not of others. Quote, interpersonal, unquote, has similar error in that it refers to something that exists among different or separate people. When we speak before, when we spoke before of the extremely personal nature of revelation, 
We followed this statement immediately with a description of the inevitable outcomes of the revelation in terms of sharing. A person conceives of himself as separate largely because he perceives of himself as bounded by a body. Only if he perceives himself as a mind can he overcome this. Then he is free to use terms like, quote, instrumental, unquote, and intermental, unquote, without seeing them as different and conflicting, because minds can be in perfect accord. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Lori. The term, quote-unquote, intrapersonal is an ego term because so-called personal implies, quote, of one person and not of others. Interpersonal has a similar error in that it refers to something that exists among different or separate people. When we spoke before of the extremely personal nature of Revelation, we followed this statement immediately with a description of the inevitable outcomes of revelation in terms of sharing. A person conceives of himself as separate largely because he perceives himself largely because he perceives of himself as bounded by a body. Only if he perceives himself as a mind can he overcome this. Then he is free to use terms like Intramental and intermental, without seeing them as different and conflicting, because minds can be in perfect accord. 14. Outside of the kingdom, the law which prevails inside it is adapted to, quote unquote, what you project you believe. This is its teaching form, since outside the kingdom, teaching is mandatory because learning is essential. This form of the law clearly implies that you will learn what you are from what you have projected onto others and therefore believe they are. In the kingdom, there is no teaching or learning because there is no belief. There is only certainty. God and his sons and the surety of being know that what you project, you are. That form of the law is not adapted at all, being the law of creation. God himself created the law by creating by it, and his sons who create like him follow it gladly, knowing that the increase of the kingdom depends on it, just as their own creation did. Thank you, Lori. And Donna. Fourteen. Outside the kingdom, the law which prevails inside, it is adapted to, quote, what you project, you believe, end quote. This is its teaching form, since outside the kingdom, teaching is mandatory, because learning is essential. 
This form of the law clearly implies that you will learn what you are from what you have projected onto others and therefore believe they are. In the kingdom, there is no teaching or learning because there is no belief. There is only certainty. God and his sons in the surety of being know that what you project you are. That that form of the law is not adapted at all. Being the law of creation. God himself created the law by, by creating by it. And his sons who create like him follow it gladly, knowing that the increase of the kingdom depends on it, just as their own creation did. 15. Laws must be communicated if they are to be helpful. In effect, they must be translated for those who speak a different language. Nevertheless, a good translator, although he must alter the form of what he translates, never changes the meaning. In fact, his whole purpose is to change the form so that the original meaning is retained. The Holy Spirit is the translator of the laws of God to those who do not understand them. You could not do this yourselves because conflicted minds cannot be faithful to one meaning and will therefore change the meaning to preserve the form. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica. Thanks, Lamoine. <clears throat> Fifteen. Laws must be communicated if they are to be helpful. In effect, they must be translated for those who speak a different language. Nevertheless, a good translator, although he must alter the form of what he translates, never changes the meaning. In fact, his whole purpose is to change the form so that the original meaning is retained. The Holy Spirit is the translator of the laws of God to those who do not understand them. You could not do this yourselves because conflicted minds cannot be faithful to one meaning and will therefore change the meaning to preserve the form. 16. The Holy Spirit's purpose in translating is naturally exactly the opposite. He translates only to preserve the original meaning in all respects and in all languages. Therefore, he opposes differences in the form as meaningful, emphasizing always that these differences do not matter. The meaning of his message is always the same, and only the meaning matters. God's law of creation in perfect form does not involve the use of truth to convince his sons of truth. 
The extension of truth, which is the law of the kingdom, rests only on the knowledge of what truth is. This is your inheritance and requires no learning at all. But when you disinherited yourselves, you became learners. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for uh, uh, paragraph 16 and 17? This is Sandra. I can read. Uh, Please do, Sandra. The Holy Spirit's purpose in translating is naturally exactly the opposite. He translates only to preserve the original meaning of in all respects and in all languages. Therefore, he opposes differences in form as meaningful emphasizing always that these differences do not matter. The meaning of his message is always the same, and only the meaning matters. God's law of creation in perfect form does not involve the use of truth to convince his sons of truth. I need to read that again. I'm not sure I understand what that means. God's laws of creation in perfect form does not involve the use of truth to convince his sons of truth. The extension of truth, which is the law of the kingdom, rests only on the knowledge of what truth is. This is your inheritance and requires no learning at all. But when you disinherited yourself, you became learners. 17. No one questions the intimate connection of learning and memory. Learning is impossible without memory since it cannot be consistent unless it is remembered. That is why the Holy Spirit is a lesson in remembering. We said before that he teaches remembering and forgetting, but the forgetting aspect is only to make the remembering consistent. You forget in order to remember better. You will not understand his translations while you listen to to two ways of perceiving them. Therefore, you must forget or relinquish one to understand the other. This is the only way you can learn consistency so that you can finally be consistent. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for 17 and 18? I can read now. No one questions the intimate connection of learning and memory. Learning is impossible without memory, since it cannot be consistent unless it is remembered. 
That is why the Holy Spirit is a lesson in remembrance. We said before that he teaches remembering and forgetting, but the forgetting aspect is only to make the remembering consistent. You forget in order to remember better. You will not understand his translations while you listen to two ways of perceiving them. Therefore, you must forget or relinquish one to understand the other. This is the only way you can learn consistency so that you can finally be consistent. 18. What can the perfect consistency of the kingdom mean to the confused? It is apparent that confusion interferes with meaning and therefore prevents the learner from appreciating it. There is no confusion in the kingdom because there is only one meaning. This meaning comes from God and is God. Because it is also you You share it and extend it as your creator did. This means no translation. Uh, Repeat that. This needs no translation because it is perfectly understood. But it does need extension because it means extension. Communication is perfectly direct and perfectly united. It is totally without strain because nothing discordant ever enters. That is why it is the kingdom of God. It belongs to him and is therefore like him. That is its reality, and nothing can assail it. Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new reader to conclude with 18? Another new reader for 18. Okay, back to you, Fran. 18. What can the perfect consistency of the kingdom mean to the confused? It is apparent that confusion interferes with meaning and therefore prevents the learner from appreciating it. There is no confusion in the kingdom, 
because there is only one meaning. This meaning comes from God and is God. Because it is also you, you share it and extend it as your creator did. This needs no translation because it is perfectly understood, but it does need extension because it means extension. Communication is perfectly direct and perfectly united. It is totally without strain because nothing discordant ever enters. That is why it is the kingdom of God. It belongs to him and is therefore like him. That is its reality and nothing can assail it. Thank you, friend. Okay. <laughs> to summarize then. Ha. Ah. Go back to 10. And say that to heal is to correct perception in your brother and yourself by sharing the Holy Spirit with him. This places you both within the kingdom, within the kingdom, and restores its wholeness in your mind. This parallels creation because it unifies by increasing and integrates by extending. What you project you believe, this is an immutable law of mind in this world as well as in the kingdom. However, the content is different in this world because the thoughts it governs are very different from the thoughts in the kingdom. The outstanding characteristic of the laws of mind as they operate in this world is that by obeying them, and I assure you that you must obey them, you can arrive at diametrically opposed results. This is because the laws have adapted to the circumstances of this world in which diametrically opposed outcomes are believed in. The laws of mind govern thoughts and you do respond to two conflicting voices. Try not to read this whole thing <laughs> This is why we perceive the freedoms as many instead of one. Yet the argument that underlies the defense of freedom is perfectly valid because it is true it should not be fought for, but it should be sided with. Those who are for freedom, even if they are misguided in how to defend it, are siding with the one thing in this world which is true. When er anyone can listen fairly to both sides of any issue, he will make the right decision. This is because he has the answer. Conflict can seem to be interpersonal, but it must be intrapersonal first. 
Outside the kingdom, the law which prevails inside it is adapted to what you project you believe. This is a teaching form since outside the kingdom teaching is mandatory because learning is essential. In the kingdom, there is no teaching or learning because there is no belief. There is only certainty. God and his sons, in the surety of being, know that what you project, you are. That form of the law is not adapted at all, being the law of creation. God himself created the law by creating by it, and his sons, created by it, and who create like him, follow it gladly, knowing that the increase of the kingdom depends on it, just as their own creation did. A good translator, although he must alter the form of what he translates, never changes the meaning. In fact, the whole purpose is to change the form so that the original meaning is retained. The Holy Spirit is the translator of the laws of God to those who do not understand them. So the Holy Spirit's purpose in translating is only to preserve the original meaning in all respects and in all languages. He therefore he disapp- <laughs> therefore he opposes the idea that differences in form are meaningful, emphasizing always that these differences do not matter. The meaning of the message is always the same, and only the meaning matters. God's law of creation in perfect form does not involve the use of truth to convince his sons of truth. The extension of truth which is the law of the kingdom, rests only on the knowledge of what truth is. This is your inheritance, and so requires no learning at all, but when we disinherited ourselves, we became learners. Learning is impossible without memory, since it cannot be consistent unless it is remembered. This is why the Holy Spirit is a lesson in remembering. And he teaches both remembering and forgetting, but the, rem- but the forgetting is only to make the remembering consistent. We forget in order to remember better. We must uh, forget or relinquish one way of perceiving it to understand the other. This is the only way we can learn consistency so that we can finally be consistent. It's apparent that confusion interferes with meaning and therefore prevents the learner from appreciating it. There's no confusion in the kingdom because there is only one meaning. This meaning comes from God and is God. Because it is also you, you share and extend it as your creator did. 
This needs no translation because it is perfectly understood, but it does need extension because it means extension. Communication is perfectly direct and perfectly united everywhere. It is totally without strain because nothing discordant ever enters. That is why it is the kingdom of God. It belongs to him and is therefore like him. That is its reality and nothing can assail it. Great, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thank you. The whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) it was all good. (laughs) Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Thank you all. And uh, thank you, Fran, for leading the lesson today. Take it away. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in, still in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 75. The light has come. Thou shall read some from this lesson. The light has come. You are healed and you can heal. The light has come. You are saved and you can save. You are at peace and you bring peace with you wherever you go. Darkness and turmoil and death have disappeared. The light has come. Our exercises for today will be happy ones, in which we offer thanks for the passing of the old and the beginning of the new. Our longer practice periods will be devoted to looking at the world which our forgiveness shows us. This is what we want to see and only this. Begin the longer practice periods by telling yourself the glad tidings of your release. The light has come. I have forgiven the world. Dwell not upon the past today. You have forgiven the world today. You can look upon it now as if you never saw it before. You do not know yet what it looks like. You merely wait to have it shown to you. While you wait, Repeat repeat several times slowly and in complete patience. The light has come. I have forgiven the world. Realize that your forgiveness entitles you to vision. Wait patiently for him. He will be there. The light has come. Tell him you know you cannot fail because you trust in him. Today, the light has come. And you will see the world that has been promised you since time began and in which is the end of time ensured. The shorter practice periods, too, will be joyful reminders of your release. You remind yourself every quarter of an hour or so that today is a time for special celebration. And what you see will be so welcome that you will gladly extend today forever. Say then, the light has come. I have forgiven the world. Should you be tempted, say to anyone who seems to pull you back to darkness, the light has come. I have forgiven you. 
We dedicate this day to the serenity in which God would have you be. Keep it in your awareness of yourself and see it everywhere today. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 75, the light has come. The light has come. You are healed and you can heal. You are at peace and you bring peace with you wherever you go. Lesson 75. The light has come. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, friends. Thank you, guys. Thanks, friends. Incredible lesson, huh? The light Amen. has come. Wow. Yes. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, the light has come. I have forgiven the world. I have forgiven the past. I have forgiven myself. I have forgiven my illusions about the world. I have forgiven my perceptions of my brother. The light has come. And as it says in the reading that we just finished, um, it says that... By, ext- by, by extending that the light has come, it integrates inside me when I extend this to my brother. Um, and my correct perception will heal my brother because I'm sharing the Holy Spirit with him. Um, I was just thinking of this also, that... Uh, The interpersonal, he was talking about the interpersonal. The interpersonal is what happens within us. And when we project what's happening on the world, we see illusions when we're in ego mind. Um, So when I'm experiencing something inside of me, that's what I'm projecting on the world. 
when I'm in alignment with the Holy Spirit and I'm experiencing the love and the light and the truth of God, then I will see the love and the light and the truth of God extending out into the world when I'm in my ego mind and I'm in some illusion, any illusion, basically, about the past. Um, then my distortions are projected on the world, and that's my interpersonal relationships. But it starts with me. It starts with my inner world, um, whether I'm in correct alignment or not. And the light has come. I have forgiven the past. I have forgiven my illusions about the past, and I have forgiven my projections on my brother. I'm complete. What a beautiful explanation of mind. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, thank you, Karen. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Karen. Okay, I'm just going to add one more little thing which I loved. Conflicted minds cannot be faithful to one meaning. I thought that is just so perfect because that's why we can't trust the meaning of the and anything the ego tells us. There's so much conflict. There's It's never faithful to anything. It always changes the meaning and complete. Boy, isn't that the truth. Mm. Perfect. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, conflicted minds will always eventually project the conflict and thereby miss the one meaning or try to divide it. Hmm. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Lemoyne. Mm. Good morning. This is Sandra. Um, The light has come because I have forgiven the world. And this is the requirement in order for there to be a new era, era in which a new world is born. The old one has left no trace upon its, its passing. Today we see a different world because the light has come.
and it comes because I'm I have truly forgiven myself and truly forgiven the world. Um, I'm not there yet, but this this is about an intention. This is about knowing that my thoughts um, are powerful. So the first step is is to want this, to want to forgive myself in the world more than anything else in the world. And um sounds like something's going on with your connection. I'm not sure oh. if it's just me. No, well, she's loud and clear here, so it sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, and and I'm uh I'm complete. Thank you. Mm, yes, you are. Can't I love how. Mm, thank you lo- so much for yeah. your intent. Thank Sorry. you. Mm. This is Robin Marie, and I love the way uh, translated um, intermental and intramental. I really like that because that's all about God's thought and not ours. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I like how you said, I like how you said it. This is a a choice of my intent for, I choose for, uh, to be the voice for. Um, It really narrows our perception and allows us to focus uh, on what our true desire is all about and to allow all other desires to fade away. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for your shares. Thank you, Fred, for doing the lesson. You do it so well. And I, I love joining everyone this morning in our pursuit of the truth of who and what we are. And um, loss of the mind, I think, is, is pretty, um, a pretty simple, complete idea. Um, I like to think, of, think in terms of complete ideas as the foundation stones for God's thought system, which I'm I'm learning, reminding, and remembering myself um, that I know what what thinking um, with the mind of God is, what it means, what its meaning is, <laughs> and the idea that um, intrapersonal is an ego term because person personal implies of one person and not of others. That it's strictly an ego term. There are no separate persons. And that it's all mental, personal versus mental, that we are purely one mind, purely consciousness, love's consciousness itself. The awareness of love's presence, love's consciousness itself. That's what made the universe and holds the universe together. The awareness of love's consciousness, of which my mind is a part. So 
you know, keeping it simple, the consistency. Um, I love the ITL-sized parts <coughs> and the reading because um, when I'm outside of the kingdom, I, I'm obviously in a state of strain, confusion. I'm confusing pure consciousness as being in in the body. That's the ego's confusion of mind being in the body. The Course speaks of confusion all the time, and that's it in a nutshell. I think that, that the mind of God is, is located in, in the body when the Course specifically teaches us that. The, the body was made as a limit to limit us, to give us a form, a form of a person in order to separate ourselves and hide the fact that we, we left the mind of God. And, and, it's, and it's about the body. It's not about the mind. So teaching, teaching the mind to remember um, consistently. I love the way it says, you forget in order to remember better. I have to forget everything that I ever thought I was about being a body and, and in time and space and, and having a life that's defined by by time and space, because that's all a limited, very limited perception, dependent on the limited perception of the senses of the body, which are so limited when you really think about it, that makes it personal. It's about my personal taste, my personal preferences, my personal thoughts, my personal experiences, my personal um, relationships, my personal um, feelings. Oh, my God, my personal feelings. And don't you know how that, what you're doing in your person is offending my sensibilities. Person versus mental. And the open-mindedness and open heart um, of the kingdom of God, of which I am everything. I'll I'll close with this. this Communication in the last paragraph where it speaks of the perfect consistency of the kingdom. What does it mean to be confused? It's that I'm confused about being a something instead of everything. A mind that loves and knows itself as everything. Um, so, what did I want to bring out? The meaning, my meaning comes from God and is God. It is shared equally, equally and universally and extends its love. Um, the, where's the one line? Communication. It's in almost the last last part of the paragraph 18 communication is perfectly direct and perfectly united it's totally without strain because nothing discordant ever enters it that is why it is the kingdom of God it belongs to him and to you and me and it is therefore like him that is its reality and nothing can assail it and um, that the universal 
universal communication of everything with everything, knowing itself as love itself, is an eternal property of the mind of God and ours as being a part of that. And that I should soften my attention to being one with everything, with nothing in between it, except except my experiencing and knowing it as myself. That's the light, the light shining, the light shining on everything equally. Everything is being equally beautiful. Everything being equally teaching me of itself as myself and joining with it in love and in peace. Tranquil mind. I love that the serenity and tranquility of seeing the real world without the darkness of my judgment upon it, that I would look and see and ask and know what everything is in truth today. Amen. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This this is Robin Marie again. I I've been thinking about my little uh, classes that I teach, and sometimes I have up to twelve little children in one room doing sensory projects, and I really appreciated. They're two years old, some of them, in, in one particular <laughs> class, and uh, some of them don't speak English. And I really appreciated this, uh, that, you know, the translation, the, the use of the word that, that, that love doesn't need a, a specific language to be expressed. But I think that, you know, when I'm thinking about Johnny, who is so small and tries to take things from other children, that I'm going to speak in Spanish for a friend and just say, this is your friend. Instead of saying, don't grab, you know, which we try to say, don't grab things from other people's hands, but say, this is your friend's. And maybe oh. that will, you know, get into his mind because he is just all over the place. And I really want to see him uh, as, you know, instrumental, int- like seeing what's happening. And, you know, it's like a big amoeba of children. <laughs> and I'm trying to get them to work together. But anyway, this was really helpful for that. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. That's thank beautiful. you. It reminds me of something we read a little while ago in the text that says, don't, don't tell them not to do this and not to do that. Just exactly. tell, just do this. Look in the light. See the beauty. See the love. He is your Jane. friend. <laughs> Gorgeous. Thank very you. <laughs> Thank you. Very, very powerful, Robin Marie. I've seen my niece do that many times on a playground, and it's it's very potent. Thank you.
Good morning, this is Sandra. And in paragraph 16, it says, God's laws of creation in perfect form does not involve the use of truth to convince his sons of truth. I thought that was interesting. The extension of truth, which is the law of the kingdom, rests only on the knowledge of what truth is. So this is not about um, even extending or intention. This is about knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's, there's no more um, wondering. There's an absolute knowing which brings uh, confidence. There's no more lack of confidence. There's a, there's a sureness of knowing the truth. Um, and seeing the world as, as innocent, there's no. If once I know the truth, there's there's even no more need for forgiveness because it's all innocent. It's all it's it, it's all a manifestation of a mistaken thought system that was that was a mistake. It wasn't a sin. So uh, you know, just just. This knowingness, which I, I I don't know, I'm still in I'm in I'm still in a bit of confusion about what's going on here, because on the other hand, the way out for me is to say I don't know anything. You know, I don't really know what's going on here. I'm going to surrender it to the Holy Spirit, to my Holy Spirit. Um, but this is talking about really knowing. And and I would love more conversation about that. I'm complete. Boy, me too, Sandra. Uh, to yeah, me, me is, too. That, that paragraph to me is the uh, entire intention of this section. And and you know, I'll start with this. In that holy instant in which my personage was absent, and it was all just God. Um, there were no words but when my consciousness came back to my own awareness I heard simply all of that was because you believed in opposition all of my previous um, belief in what I was was based on the fact that I thought there could be an opposite to God and it, many, many years it's taken for me to translate that into meaning. But today it becomes really clear that he wants me to know all my mistakes cannot be resolved through my own effort. I cannot correct my own mind. I just can't. My mind would not have been confused had I not been confused about the truth of me. I need I need a I need a holy intervention is what I need. I need to believe in the truth of myself. And when he talks about interpersonal intrapersonal interpersonal intramental intermental all he's saying to my understanding is that all conflict originates in my mind. And it's 
consequence of my belief in the opposite to God, that I could be separate and different from God. That's my problem. And I have this conflict within myself, and as a consequence of it, I see a conflicted world. My mind split separates my mind in my belief from the truth. Okay? Now, how many years did I spend trying to work on my mind? <laughs> how many self-improvement books did I read? How many books of uh, mystical teachings and, and, you know, perennial philosophy did I try to absorb in order to correct my error? I couldn't. I could not do that by myself because the nature of the conflict is to fight the conflict. He, said, he calls that using the ego to lead me on an ego alien journey. I can't do that. This intra-mental intra conflict must be resolved and the only way to resolve it is to accept the truth of me. He calls that accept the atonement. That is to say, I never could have been other than holy. I never could have changed my mind. My mind is still shining in the pristine love of God, where it was and always will be as corrected, as created. My soul is perfect in a state of grace forever. And that's my only truth. That is the only truth we all share. And he calls that one mind, the one mind we all share. I didn't come to share my body with you, he says. I came to share my mind. That's why we always have the right answer. It's always there underneath the conflict, and that's what makes today's lesson so perfect. I cannot understand myself except as the light of God shines on my mind and see myself as he sees me. When I see myself as he sees me, suddenly there is no more conflict in my mind. There's no conflict to project. There's no intramental conflict that makes me feel different than any other mind because it's all one mind. And so this, this reading is so great because ego correction... I'm going to correct myself. I'm going to straighten myself up. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstrap. I'm going to do these lessons by God. I'm going to give it my best shot. All of that kind of stuff is using my mind as an oppositional force. The Holy Spirit, the light of God, the light of truth, wants me to see the truth of me. And so when he says, when he says, let's see here, forgetting and remembering, Ego effort would say, you know, no, that means anything. Just let it go. Um, but if I don't experience, in my, if I don't release my mind to freedom, and by freedom I mean the absence of oppositional force, the absence of fight, the absence of conflict, the absence of guilt, blame, sin, fear, um, all of that stuff, I have to let that go. In the light um, I have to I have to what does that mean 
That means I want the truth of this. To me, it means I want the truth of this. And over and over and over again, when I see conflict anywhere, I have to remember its cause is in my mind. Cause is in my mind. But the truth is, my mind is part of God's. I am very holy. Remember? My mind is part of God's. I am very holy. That's the light of truth. And in that light, where is anything that needs forgiveness? In that light, where is anything that needs blame? Where is anything that is other than perfect? This this idea of oppositional force is so insidious. Um, it, it colors me all the time. All the time is this idea of Oh, you should. Oh, you should. Or you should not have. You should or you should not have. This this whole section speaks to me of the healing of the shoulds. I'm free. I'm free in the light. Where is condemnation, sin, guilt, fear, or blame? And when I'm free, all I can share is freedom. What is there? to share otherwise. But this plan, this this plan God gave us is so beautiful because the veil, the veil that we talked about yesterday has me thinking that my home is somewhere else and that I'm something else than home. That's what that veil does. And without the, with the veil, Recognizing that veil is there. There's this inkling of God somewhere else and I'm here. Without the veil, I would be so flippin' homesick. You know, I'd, I'd want to just walk into the sea and die without that veil. Except here's the plan. This beautiful, beautiful plan. Talks about it in the Resolution of the Dream in chapter 24. He saw you were incomplete. He saw, Christ, saw I was incomplete. And so he sought for my completion in each and every living thing that he beholds and loves so that I would not feel homesick. He put himself everywhere. Christ put himself everywhere. That's how the veil's lifted from my sight. I don't have to be homesick for him. He gave himself to everything. God is all in all in a literal sense. And where is opposition? My mind is part of God's. I am very holy. My holiness blesses. My holiness envelops everything I see in light. I'm healed and I can heal. I'm forgiven and it's my privilege to forgive. I need this holy intervention. <laughs> Sitting here at my desk with a book of poetry by my side. And I just noticed this morning, <laughs> there's this beautiful quote on the front of the book. that says, only when the ego is slain by the white fire of pure seeing will the light be set free. The light that illumines the whole world. This is what the laws of mind tell me. When I can accept my mind as God created it, recognize 
that the healed mind has not changed itself no matter what was come again as hard resistance however that appears this holy mind cannot have changed itself it can't it's still as pure and holy as the light in which it was created that's the truth of all of life everywhere he saw he were incomplete and so he put himself everywhere he sought for your completion in each hand you hold isn't that a beautiful plan otherwise I'd be so homesick I just want to leave this this life but problems are not solved by withdrawal or hiding or trying to disappear problems are solved by life and that solution is the recognition that life still as holy as the holiness by which it was created everywhere I can't fight my ego I need to forget it that's why he says nothing real can be threatened nothing unreal exists herein lies the peace of God big 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 stuff and um, the laws of mind uh, help me get clear on the light within me is the light that shines on the world there is no ego the light of pure seeing the light of pure seeing sets me free I'm complete thank you Laurie thanks for returning to freedom thank you Laurie that was so complete and beautiful One thing you said that really um, reminded me of something is uh, not ego. And that's why we have to come back to the place where we're open, empty, and don't know. Please. Yeah. I have to forget by remembering I was badly taught <laughs> you who taught yourself <laughs> tried really hard <laughs> this is Donna and more every day I see that we are one mind uh, when you were speaking before Laurie <clears throat> the Holy Spirit gave me a translation of a part of what you said and it is the only reality in unreality is our belief our power that maintains unreality 
And from our reading today in um, paragraph 12, I found a pearl of great price. For freedom is, for freedom, no, freedom is the one thing in this world which is true. And I was reminded of, uh, during this, where we were reading about freedom, about America, the United States of America, that was founded on freedom. So it's kind of interesting to me. And um, <clears throat> from paragraph 16 and 17, I have, I have found this chapter build so beautifully on the, on the preceding six because of Jesus using the phrase, in, the wor- in this world, and then referring in the kingdom, so to making now it very clear to me what minds he's talking about and what it is that is our goal to let the Holy Spirit do. And he's also added outside the kingdom. So in this, this world is outside the kingdom, which, which brought me more clarity and a little more sanity. And um, from that, I began to look at this aspect of our consciousness that continues to uh, make mistakes. And this, uh, maybe I should read this, Uh, in paragraph 16, he said, the extension of truth which is the law of the kingdom, rests only on the knowledge of what truth is. This is your inheritance, inheritance, and requires no learning at all. But when you disinherited yourselves, you became learners. So above the word, this is your inheritance, I inheritance, I wrote sanity. And above disinherited, <laughs> I wrote insane. <clears throat> so, and then in 17, uh, he says, the Holy Spirit is a lesson in remembering. So, in letting all this wonderful light have its way, this is how I saw and see the process of the undoing of, of, of insanity. In this world, outside the kingdom, in forgetfulness, we remember, we in or with insanity, remember the insanity of the world outside the kingdom and adjust everything that and adjust everything to that and maintain the conflict, which I have heard written in other words and what we read today someplace and didn't realize it until I read it now. The other thing, so then the Holy, I looked at, at the Holy Spirit's function, I guess. So the Holy Spirit's work is to remember there is nothing to forgive. Thus forget it 
and move on with the Holy Spirit's gentle guiding. And the one scripture, the one story in the Bible that keeps coming to me now, because we keep taking stuff back and holding on to it, we keep, we, we move along and then we, we have a relapse in memory and we start rehearsing the past grievances that we have against ourselves and everybody else. And um, I, 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 this the story of Sodom and Gomorrah keep, keep coming to mind where Abraham kept bargaining with God and they said, well, if you can find 10 men, good men in there, you know, don't destroy the thing. Nonetheless, God said, Shalot, get your family and your wife out of there because down it comes, as the story goes. And, uh, and so Lot was obedient and did. But God warned them, and I forget what chapter, but I know it's verse 17. He warned them, whatever you do, do not look back. And I think that's the clarion call that Jesus is saying, don't look back. When you begin to look back, remember you have the Holy Spirit to sift out that, to sift it out of your holiness and throw it out so you don't have to deal with it again. So, and Lot's wife did, not look, did look back and she turned to a pillar of salt. So I find this, so I'm getting so much light from these first seven chapters and I am complete and grateful to everything I hear. Amen. No, that was really great, Donna. I loved every bit of that. We have the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Hi. Thank you, too, Donna. I always love your shares. And you know that Jesus speaks of, you know, how the ego's interpretation of of what the Bible was trying to teach us, that God is love and, you know, all the messages the Course is trying to teach us and and that the ego fearfully interpreted stories from the Bible and he's asking us to look at them again in a new way. And um, because I, I, I have always loved the stories and grew up learning and being taught by the stories in the Bible. And um, but the gentleness and the and the ease uh, of of the changing um, my mind in order to be restored to its changelessness, you know, going back to my original factory settings, how God created me before the fall, and I think you know the the Course in Miracles, the text in the the very first chapter speaks of this. Um, you know, the describing how the detour into fear happened. We thought we made ourselves instead of that we were created. We took on the role of being the authority of our creation, and, and what we made was the result of it. And the making of the body, which God did not create, there's no bodies in the kingdom of heaven. It says this time and again in the Course text that um, we are purely mind, consciousness. I am is pretty much the truth of who I am. And everything that arises from a thought 
be it good or bad, miscreating or or in creation, true creation in love, then it's it's equally knowable as beings, our spiritual beings, knowing itself. And we know what's true in our heart of hearts. This language lists language that speaks from the heart, that speaks to mano on mano as one in and of itself. I know when I'm being true to myself, and as well as people know when I'm being true to myself, and as well as I know when someone isn't being true to themselves, and as well as they know, um, but I think it's the awareness of that, and it speaks of this time and time again, that awareness of I amness is what is our unity and our, and our grace which is the same, one and the same through each and every one of us, independently as well as as in totality. And that's what makes God infinitely available to us wherever I go and wherever anyone else goes, that I am face-to-face with God in everything within his creation. And what is not true doesn't ring true but the uh, the um, thing about Christ coming and his lesson to me is that he's taught me to be in the world but not of it that's what the resurrection is about it's not about continuing continuing to be a victim in the world but to see see it as God would have me see it and to see it through the truth in me and and to see it through the truth in everyone as I know it to be true in me, which is just goodness itself, which is good goodness and holiness itself, which is the the unity without opposition, without conflict, without judgment. No judgment. You're free. Everyone is free to be like God or to be not like God as, as they want. And, you know, that's, I think, the um, the trick about looking through the eyes of perception, which is to be undone, the undoing of perception, the ending of perception is when God takes the final step and we we truly know ourselves through spiritual vision that there is no body and there is no body in the world. It's an illusion of a separate mind that wanted to be separate and have a place where God could not dwell. And there's plenty of places that appear to be or seem to be where God dwells not, but he does, nevertheless. And that's why we have vision and the Holy Spirit, his voice to tell us every minute of every day, wherever we go, the truth in what we see, which is not through the body's eyes, but through the holy eyes of Christ consciousness in my in my mind, which has never left me. And I can only leave by choice and enter in, enter in again to um, being judgmental. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm speaking from the heart and I'm on a roll again, so please <laughs> stop. Feel free to stop. <laughs> oh, don't deny the obvious. Love is all around. 
Um, and I love you guys. Thank you for listening. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. You know, it's what I heard. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to really quickly about, you know, fighting for freedom because we've, you know, we fight for freedom. And I think this is really about uh, knowing that there is no death because fighting for freedom is, is about, um, it's about, it's, 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 I think it's about surviving at all costs you know, for freedom. And, and, and so slavery, because the opposite of freedom would be slavery. And, and uh, there is no such thing as, 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 as slavery either. It's just, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's, it, because we think we have to survive and that we have to survive at all costs. And that's, my understanding is our job is not survival. Our job is to be free and to use our, our free will to choose for, 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 for the truth of God, for the truth of who I am. Um, and if I can't have that, then I don't need to be here. It's like because and, because I don't because I don't die. So I think this is about knowing that there is no death and that we're not bodies, and then we don't have to fight for anything. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Sandra. That was excellent. This is Donna. Sandra said death, and it reminds me. About five days ago, I drove by uh, cemeteries, and there's just huge cemeteries on both sides of the road as I drove by. And it came to me, these people know there's no death. (laughs) So every time I pass a cemetery, (laughs) I'm reminded of what Jesus or the Holy Spirit said to me. That was not my thought. These people know there is no death. <laughs> so praise the Lord. That's pretty good, Donna. <laughs> Donna, this is Patricia. You called my voice out with a really quick, very strong statement that shocked me that it's alive forever. And it was of a woman who had lived a sole survivor through many years of uh, the Auschwitz um, um, years of uh, death and all around. And uh, sure, and uh, the the person interviewing here at the end wanted to conclude with this main question of how, please tell us how to learn to live with death. And this woman, she's in her 90s now, and she looked like she was younger than nine. And she sat up with her eyes so glowing and stunned to say, excuse me, not one person ever was there learning to live with death, my dear. 
The only thing we were there doing was learning to live with life, learning what it means to be alive. Please put down that question. Wasn't that a stunning answer? She was living. And it gave me permission for all those things where I was nearly dead and others wanted me dead and all those things that continue to be. It's not bad when you know you already died. <laughs> Somebody actually titled me that because I always look at the opposites. I mean, I had to fall in love with Putin the minute I saw what was going on. I mean, literally learn his mother and where she was born and the father. I mean, I went through a deep search to, to learn how to live the story of the opposites that are pointing to only one thing. So uh, now that I'm with the public, uh, I get a term saying, oh, she's one of those that's already dead. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Learning to live. Thank you. That was great, <laughs> Patricia. Thank you. Yeah, this is Donna. Um, it's so interesting. My life has... has uh, well, anyway, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to say and then I'll explain everything. When in 1969, my mother's mother died and she was, I was very close to her. Also felt guilty that I didn't go visit her more often. So I drove past the cemetery and I was hysterically crying. I mean, hysterically. And a voice in the back seat of the car said to me, she's not dead. And I immediately stopped crying. In that context as well, my friend uh, finally took her life, and uh, and my mother finally went on uh, through the natural process of the dream. And I hear from both of them; they'll speak to me, particularly if I uh, if I'm a little disturbed. And uh, so, you know, it's just so wonderful to understand, really. This is a dream. We read in the lesson recently, and we find it in the book where God says, my son sleeps. So I am complete. Thank you, Patricia. Amen. Oh, thank you, Beck. Yeah. All the voices we hear when the veils are down, hold on to your horses. <laughs> I have a, uh, I'm the, a big elder now. i got to say it quickly because um, the elder that just passed away in my family that puts me now as the head and it's spinning because um, it's a big bear lake is buried in snow and that's where all of our family her side of the family relatives are and I keep hearing when I take anything serious Mary comes into me is her name and she says look I had to teach them what it's like to be buried before I'll let them bury me. (laughs) They can't get out. You know, they're all really literally under snow. (laughs) So it's so fun to live where everything points to love. (laughs) And it giggles, I tell you guys. Thank you. Mm. Effervescent. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Donna? 
and thank you, Patricia and Donna, um, especially for Donna for getting to this thing of uh, fight. You know, we must fight for freedom. It's like we're not going to get the freedom through protection, and fear, protection, and control. It's just. <laughs> Those means don't match the end, and so they will not generate the end. And I, you know, this, there's like so much here to integrate, so let me attempt to extend it. That, um, you know, the rule, the answer, you know, as uh, demonstrated perhaps by the extreme example of Christ, in the crucifixion is a golden rule behavior, golden rule belief and perception, which in the principles is stated as perceiving, see if I can get there now, perceiving, the way to perceive for golden rule behavior is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holiness of others. And, uh, okay, to, to the principle, the golden rule asks you to behave towards others as you would have them behave towards you. And this means that the perception of both, self and other, must be accurate. And I think this is expanded in the last chapter with as the lessons of the Holy Spirit, um, which is starts with to have, <clears throat> give all to all. So that perhaps the then it is saying that the way to freedom is to grant it and accept all choices and accept everyone as they are now and but the key word be here being now um, <clears throat> and then to get to the peace and freedom it's the way to have peace is to teach peace to learn it and so in like to, in today's lesson, here's the, the technique and what there is to forget. Dwell not upon the past today. And then what there is to find what it is to remember is to com- keep a completely open mind, washed of all past ideas and clean of every concept you have made. You have forgiven the world today. You can look upon it now as if you never saw it before. Now, there's a saying people have about uh, keep an open mind, but don't let your brain fall out. Well, this is saying, yeah, let it go. Let, Let the learning of the world fall away so that you can, we can do this thing that's described also recently of picking the pieces, (laughs) you know, having the things that want to come back, let them come back, 
and then look at them with the Holy Spirit. And if they're pure, the Holy Spirit blesses them. And they're readily shared. You can extend them easily because you willingly receive them. And then the things that are impure, let him let them be purified. And let the learning of the world fall away and get to what can be given to all freely because you would accept it from all. And, you know, we don't yet know what it looks like. We have to wait to have it shown to us. And while we wait, you know, repeating, the light has come, I have forgiven the world, um, lets us approach what Lesson 108 describes as the light. What is light except the resolution, born of peace, of all your conflicts and mistaken thoughts into one concept? which is wholly true. And even that one will disappear because the thought behind it will appear instead to take its place. And now we are at peace forever, for the dream is over now. This light of awakening is the light which makes true vision possible. It is a state of mind which has become so unified that darkness cannot be perceived at all. And thus, what is the same is seen as one, while what is not the same remains unnoticed, for it is not there. And it's the light which shows no opposite, and vision being healed is the power to heal. The light that brings your peace of mind to other minds to share it and be glad. This is the light which heals because it brings single perception based on one frame of reference from which one meaning comes. Anyway, I think I got through <laughs> like skiing. I think I made it past skiing. Um, <clears throat> that was perfect, Lemoyne. Thank you. Try not to get over my skis here. Thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, you're welcome. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, let your brain fall out. It's not actually physically falling out of your head. But (laughs) I think this, to get to what the Course of Love calls wholeheartedness, you have to be willing to set down all the thoughts which draw only towards conflict and crazy ideas like, fighting for freedom, which is a lot like fornicating for chastity. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to use the other F word, but I was given a more polite word. Could you repeat that? What did you say? Fornicating for what? Chastity. Oh, (laughs) okay, good. (laughs) Um, thank you for um, um, Patricia for saying that this life is a dream because we used to say that and I've often forgotten recently that this life is this world 
is a dream. Whether it feels like a good dream or a bad dream, it's still a dream. Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thanks, Ida. And I'm the dreamer. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, Lori, do you have a, a closing you'd like to offer for this call? Thank you. Ed. Boy, the, the, the quote that you gave a minute ago is just perfect to close. But um, I'm led this morning to something a little more um, lighthearted. In a poem from Hafiz, he says, Love sometimes wants to do us a great favor. Hold us upside down and shake all the nonsense out. <laughs> and in that light, um, here's a saying that I really, really think is good for the day and for the light. We are divine beings in a state of recovery. In a state of recovery, rediscovering our divinity, winning back ourselves from states of delusion. However, the mind is very much a key player in the drama called life because without it, the consciousness cannot experience the necessary friction for transcendence to occur. And transcendence is the whole purpose of the game. It is a kingly game when seen with eyes of understanding. If you stay stuck in personhood, life will kick your ass. But if you're open to truth with a capital T, then you are continuously expanding into greater and greater seeing. Finally, you will exclaim, I love the stepping out of the shadow of myself into the bright light of my little self. Here's to that. Huh? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bori. And the morning and everybody. Um, it's a great call. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. yeah. We touched a lot. I'm really glad. It sounded like uh, something just sounded like what Charles talks about. I don't know if he's on the call right now or not, but uh, the impersonal life, when you said something about uh, if you're something or another, life kicks your ass. <laughs> he talks about the impersonal life. But anyway, I have a little joke. With regard to all this, um, a Buddhist walked into a sandwich shop and ordered a sandwich. And uh, the guy asked him what he wanted on his sandwich. And he said, make me one with everything. That's it. <laughs> Nobody laughed. <laughs> You're welcome. Good job. Oh, you did? Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Make me one with everything. All right. Well, that's a good place to have lunch. Sandwich shop of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and let the self of love be returned to the learning loop. Well, thank you, Ida. And thank you all.
You're welcome. Go ahead and end the recording now. Great call. The call continues. Thanks, boys. That's all. <laughs>